buddies. Hello, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, a demon himself, Jason Rudy. And today I bring you episode 43, The Demons. Uh, something I know about, my friends. For I am visited by demons almost every day, and I adorn myself with a Pazuzu tattoo, one of my birth demons that has been on my body for many years. So this is a film called The Demons, and it was a takeoff or a uh, cash-in or a uh, creation from the craze of the devils, the Ken Russell film with um, Oliver Reed. And uh, yeah, amazing film. And uh, that uh, inspired this, Jess Franco's The Demons. And uh, it's a really goddamn good film. And uh, Spanish, French, and Portugal co-production, 1972. And uh, it's called Les Demons, French, and in Portugal, Os Demonios, alternative titles. Le Novices Perversus, Belgian, French, long, ling, theatrical. Entourade Novexine, uh, Degenerate Nuns. Um, De Brunden van Satan, alternative Belgian, Dutch language theatrical. De Nonen van Cliché, German theatricals, The Nuns of Cliché. The Sexorcist, Canadian theatrical title. An Italian theatrical title is Les Demons. The French video, Children of the Devil. Les Fins de Dumont. Les Demonai, Italian video. DVD, Those Possessed by the Devil. Les Possédias de Demonio. And the French pre release theatrical, The Sex Demons. Les Demons de Sexe. Unconfirmed titles, The She-Demons, alternative U.S. theatrical. Um, Les Demons Sexuales, in uh, French, ported by uh, filmography. Uh, production companies, Phoenix Films out of Madrid, Marte Films out of Madrid. Comte Tour Francois de Film Production of Paris, it's uh, Mr. Dinesel's company. Uh, Interfilme Inter Productions, Cinematographiques, L'Odier, Lisbonne. Uh, Theatrical distributor, Comte Tour Francois de Film Production. Again, Robert Dina Sales um, place. And then you have uh, Howard Mailer Films out of New York on this one. And uh, Chinchetta, Film Distributors of dist distributors of London. Shooting date on this, Circa, basically shot this in May of 1972. Goddamn, such a great film, too. Such a quick time. Uh, it was French visa issued in January 12th, 73. France played January 18th, 73. I was rejected by BBFC uh, March 27th, 73. And then went and played Belgium, Brussels in March 29th, 73. And then played Italy, Turin, June 20th, 73. And played the United States. It hit in Madison, Wisconsin on May 31st of 1974. After Exorcist, of course, which came out in uh, December of 73. Um, in the United States. Canada, uh, June 21st of 74. And then uh, theatrical running time, France, 101 minutes. West German version, 85 minutes. And the UK version, 97 minutes. Cast, um, amazing performance. Anne Liebert, Eska's sister Kathleen de Lavelle. Rhett Nichols, another amazing performance. Sister Margaret de Valle. A partio de ballets, Captain Thomas Renfield. Very good. Korea Field, Lady De Winter, good. Howard Vernon, <laughs> Lord Malcolm De Winter, interesting part. Uh, Doris Thomas as Mother Rosalinda, the Mother Superior, she's awesome in this. Um, Shangari Gaffari as John Foster, Lord George Jeffries, Grand Inquisitor. Luis Barbu as Tritu, Jeffries Hangman, alright. Uh, and um, Andres Manalales as Brian De Quincey, a painter, uncredited. Rosita Pamales, an old witch. And Caroline Rivera, Woman in Banquet at De Quincey's Rights. Credits directed by Jess Franco. 
based on the novel La Mohandaise de Cliché by David Kuhn. That's funny. Written by Jess Franco. <laughs> uh, director of photography, Raul Atigat. Editor, Roberto Fandino. Set dresser, Carlos Vaduz. Music, Daniel White. Jess Franco, Spanish Prince. Um, original music, Jean-Bernard Retour, French Prince. Yeah, the music is something that's always a interesting... Like. I didn't dig it, but some people do. I don't know. I think it's just a matter of taste. It fits certain things, and it doesn't fit. Um, assistant director, Ricardo Franco. Uh, continuity, Nicole DeGuard. Camera assistant, Jose Clement. Makeup, uh, Ania Sierra. Okay, see. Um, French producer, Robert Dina Sale. And let's end with that. All right, so synopsis, of course, we read in the review portion later. Uh, production notes. Probably filmed in early May 72 after the April completion of The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein which, with which it shares numerous locations and cast members. The Demons depicts medieval witchfinder shenanigans with a distinctly 1970s twist. Review. The fast-paced and eventful movie about two sisters accused of witchcraft manages to maintain one's interest even in its longer incarnations. There are plentiful narrative twists and unexpected developments, a few reasonably convincing performances, and many more hilarious ones. Lots of extras to make the crowd scenes more lavish and lavishings of gratuitous nudity. The witch torture scenes are lively and sometimes gratifyingly unpleasant, although some steam during the water-scalding scene would have helped things along a bit. And the frequent softcore sex is briskly embedded into the plot. To cap it all, the story takes place in some of Franco's loveliest Portuguese settings. And if so if you get tired of all the screaming and screwing, you can soak up the scenery and enjoy the sumptuous costumes. All in all, this is the film I would consider showing to a non-Franco fan with a taste for Euro horror because it avoids the language or avoids the languor that can alienate the uninitiated and delivers the exploitation goodies throughout. Yeah, I'd say so too. It's definitely the more not mainstream, but it's definitely more accessible to non-Franco fans or non-Franco followers, I should say. Uh, thematically, however, you should care to th- say. Thematically, however, should you care to get serious, the demons is at six, six, sixes, and sevens. Franco muddies the waters of what seems at first to be a straightforward anti-Catholic tale by adding a perverse ill-fitting twist. Witchcraft actually works. There's no doubt about it. No question of being a delusion in the minds of superstitious villagers or paranoid thorn lodged in the repressed libidos of the witch hunters. It's a genuine force that can kill. In the most triumphant demonstration of this, a witch's kiss turns a man into a skeleton in front of an entire village. No ambiguity there. Catholic torturers remain vile, self-serving hypocrites, but it would seem they're not entirely deluded in their beliefs. Satan exists, witches can kill. Of course, this makes the notion of evil in the film hard to fathom. Franco would certainly never opt for the least appealing of outcomes, bourgeois sexuality is evil. This is why, of our two leading ladies, Pius Marquette turns out to be the real witch, not her nature-loving, nudity-embracing sister. But are all witches really evil in the world we're witnessing? We must assume so, as Margaret, for all her piety and righteousness earlier, is visited in her chamber by a good-looking young man, clad in red-stretched fabric, claiming to be Satan, who plunders her immortal soul by screwing her up the ass. The righteous are often wicked, he says, demonstrating the talent for sophistry, for sophistry that makes Lucifer so dangerous. If the righteous are often wicked, the wicked must often be good to maintain the cosmic balance or something. This upside-down morality is a bit too freaky for a new-age pagan Kathleen who rushes to the village square to denounce her sister as a real-life, honest-to-goodness witch. The bad sort, obviously. Oh no, you can't mean you think I might be a witch. You can't be serious, says poor Margaret, her choice of woods. I'm sure you'll agree, giving her tearful protest this extra bit of old world charm. 
Granted, Kathleen is primarily motivated by vengeance for the murder of her lover, Renfield, although you may find yourself asking what happened to her feelings for the man who saved her from the witch hunting hunters earlier. Sensitive Brian De Quincey, played by handsome young Andres Monales, she forgets all about him, which is a bit implausible when you consider the thanks to Renfield, played by a tubby Albert Dabales, she ends up being tortured again. But there's more to Kathleen's betrayal than sibling jealousy and poor taste in men. She seems repulsed by her sister and angry that she's a real witch, a sympathetic character for most of the film. Kathleen loses our goodwill at the end, denouncing her own flesh and blood to the wicked aristocrats, then watching her burn in the village square. As so often in Franco's cinema, normal filmmaking virtues such as coherent characterizations, thematic unity, and viewer identification are pushed aside by whatever gleefully reckless idea floats through his head. Cast and crew. Among the usual suspects, Howard Vernon, Dabales, Liebert, Manales, Nichols, the most prominent new face is Chiharge Gifari, a.k.a. John Foster, who plays Judge Jeffries. The French-born Iranian actor ranked racked up about 30 films in Iranian and Turkish productions before turning up in Spain and working for Franco. Rilu Artigat, The Witch's Mountain, 1972, and Fernando Reno, Dick Turpin, 1974. In the 1980s, he returned to film production, producing and starring in two films by the American exploitation director Matt Simber, a feminist sword and sorcery film called Hundra, 1983, and the female Indiana Jones adventure Yellow Hair and the Fortress of Gold, 84. Music. Here we go. It's funny that The Demons is often criticized for its anarchist use of psychedelic rock and jazz, as if the melodramatic string arrangements common in Hammer Horror films are any more appropriate to the 1600s. Franco himself gave an interview deploring the score, claiming that he was unable to attend post-production due to other commitments, such as making five more films that year. While it's true he didn't have a personal hand in choosing the music, the selections were made by sound editor and future director of French Erotic, Gerard Kikon. It's a shame he seems to have been put on the back foot by criticism because the score is actually quite enthralling. It's a riot of flailing bongos and soprano saxophones underpinned by furious waka waka guitar summoning a contrained rhythmic frenzy that resembles nothing as so much as the can song Pinch from the album A.J. Buyanasi, recorded the same year, 72. To my ears, it's a perfect accompaniment to the film's delicious mishmash of historical drama and psychedelic exploitation. Uh, let's see. Um, the original 72 version of the film utilizes virtually every track from Jean-Michel Lagore's classic library LP, Traffic Pop. They are Procession, Satanic Railway, I'm sorry, <laughs> Scenic Railway, uh, Strange Night, Crescendo City, uh, Furia, Dominicia, Witches, Runaway, and Traffic Light. A controversial director's cut, assembled in 2003, substitutes some of the original music with material derived from later Franco films, such as Franfrechnis. Locations. As mentioned, the demons benefits from stunning location work throughout, from the castle of Santa Barbara in Alicante to the Conde de Castro Gamari's Palace in Cascais, Portugal. The castle of Santa Barbara's stone hallway, see 99 women, Morocco uh, de la Mates is used often, and we so we get another glimpse of the sea cove that lies at the rear of the Conde de Castro Gamari's palace, as seen in Dracula's Daughter and the Erotic Rites of Frankenstein. The architecture is mostly wrong for medieval England, but it's a delight nonetheless. Further shooting took place in Sinatra, I'm sorry, in Sintra, Portugal, and a few miles away from Casquias. It's getting late. We'll wrap this up here. It's almost done. UK theatrical releases submitted to the BBFC on the 23rd of March, 1972. The Demons was rejected outright for cinema distribution. However, the film subsequently played in various cinema clubs around the country. It appeared at the Sunset at the Chinchetta Tottenham Court Road in May 1973 and toured provincial sex cinemas such as the Birmingham Comptons and the Bradford Penthouse on a double bill with John Hayes downbeat sex melodrama The Hung Up um, The Hang Up in June. By December it was back in London at the Compton Club in Soho. The film finally made its way onto UK DVD in, in 2008 when Redemption Films submitted a 100 minutes 50 second version called Esposia Testimonio, which passed without cuts. 
connections. Despite the title, The Demons is not a response to Ken Russell's The Devils. Even though Russell's possessed nuns were cavorting through European cinemas at the time, but a retooling of Franco's earlier witch of a hunting extravaganza the bloody judge. Okay. It must be said, however, that Cleavehanger Gifari's Judge Jeffries is no match for Christopher Lee, despite being given the killer lines in dialogue like, Come to me, Catherine, show me what witches do. And a woman's weeping is like a malicious modulation. Both touch my sensibilities and stir my spirit and my blood to weaken me. Gafari's version of the character may be a less imposing than Lee's, but he's also much less squeamish, hanging around the dungeon just for fun to watch Renfield being burned by red-hot tongs. Unlike the bloody judge where Franco Co and co-writer Harry Allen Towers had evidently done their homework, British history gets mangled here. The real William of Orange arrived by sea to dispose King James II, not his predecessor Charles II. The demons borrow some plot threads from Justine. Both stories involve two sisters, one virtuous, one sluttish, forced to leave a convent, and the virtuous girl finding succour in the arms of a sensitive painter. Alberto Dabales plays a character called Rainfield, although fly-eating and vampire worship are conspicuously absent. Other versions, the longest available variant, running at 118 minutes, is Redemption's Films. Let's see if that's one I watched. Uh, yeah, this is the one we watched, um, the Redemption Films Blu-ray. And that's the 118-minute 2014 Blu-ray release, which appears to have clinched the claim to be the complete, unexpurged version. Usurping a previously 113-minute outing, the so-called Producer's Cut, released on DVD in Germany by X-Rated KULT as Dainonen von Klitsche. The latter came as a lavish two-disc set that also included the director's cut, 103 minutes, and the German theatrical version running a relatively lean 85 minutes. As with the same company's 2000 release of Dracula's Daughter, newly generated on-screen credits for both the producer and director's cuts ignore the original production companies. Instead, they credit Arturo Marcos, Trejores to Spanish companies, Marte Films, and Cooperative Phoenix Films. Marte Films were financially involved with the 2003 DVD, and so they list as copyright holders the new version. See Dracula's Daughter for speculation as to why Cooperative Film Festival will be mentioned. Problematica in the French dub, Anne Lieber's character is called Katrine, and Britt Nichols' character, Marguerite. So, yeah, that's what they have written on here for that. Um... Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, this was my first time watching it, and I was really blown away with how good it was, so, um, all right, well, um, hang out and listen to us review and talk about The Demons, because uh, it's a goddamn good film, and uh, I hope you dig it, and I'm sure if you listen to this, you've probably seen it many times, and I will watch it many times more, bringing you praise and memory of Jess Franco bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. That's our mission statement. Please download the episode. Increases the numbers in the audience. Please rate and share uh, on your favorite listening platform. Please give us a good five-star rating. Uh, give us a good review. And uh, it helps us a lot. And also please uh, share the share the podcast. Share it on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Twitter. Uh, if you dig it, any one others to like it please help me out i would appreciate that um because yeah we're getting up here now getting close to almost episode 50 coming up here and uh i don't know another seven more so we're getting there you know and uh we're gonna start doing some bringing on uh more guests like we used to do uh, zoom guests in other parts of the country and uh going back to the original cool formula that i decided when i built this little podcast called the frank observer which is now chugging along so all right, so uh, please let us uh, be good and uh, or evil, if you like the witches, as we do, and the devils and the demons and all those good things. So, yeah, and uh, hope you dig it. Just hang on board and uh, listen to us review the demons. See you then. See you there. See you there, my fellow demons. Hey, fellow demons, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, coming to you today from the fiery pits of hell.
uh, sitting alongside me in the fiery pits of hell for episode 43 is my friend and co-host, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey, it's hot in here. Yeah. Crack the window. <laughs> crack it. Britt Nichols is coming over. So uh, <laughs> this is episode 43, uh, film 43, The Demons. Uh, Jess Franco, one of his masterpieces, I can say, yeah. with full uh, uh, conviction. Um First time I watched this film, first time Eric watched this film, uh, we watched the uh, Redemptions, the full version. It's like the long one. It's like 118 minutes, which is almost like two Franco films or like a Franco film and a half, you know, quite long. Um, So uh, it's been a long day, so long film. So I'm going to kind of hit the synopsis and then kind of talk to Eric and see what he thought about the film. All right. uh, Synopsis. A woman accused of being a witch is tortured and then burned. As the flames lick higher, she curses her persecutors. Local noblemen, Lady De Winter, evil Lord Chief Justice Jeffries, and his loyal assistant, Captain Thomas Renfield, claiming that her daughters will one day avenge her. Let's see. Lady De Winter is frightened by this threat and seeks Judge Jeffrey's approval in finding the witch's daughters wherever they may be and disposing of them. Meanwhile, her husband, Lord Malcolm De Winter, is a gentle soul who takes no apparent interest in his wife's zealous missions, preferring the consolation of stargazing. At a Covenant nearby, two sisters, Kathleen and Margaret, believed to be orphans, are being brought up by the church. Kathleen is headstrong and irreligious, while Margaret is devout and applies herself to her studies. The mother superior, Rosalinda, tells the Covenant's father confessor that she has witnessed Kathleen at night writhing in erotic abandon, a sight which she admits aroused as well as disturbed her. The father confessor mentions to mentions this fact to Lady De Winter, who leaps uh who leaps to the correct conclusion that these sisters may be the witch's daughters. Questioning Mother Rosalinda, Lady De Winter discovers that their maintenance is paid by a mysterious male benefactor who delivers a large sum every month. I missed that part earlier. Uh, Mother Rosalinda admits there's a possibility Kathleen might be a witch. Lady De Winter continues or examines the two girls intimately and finds that Kathleen is not a virgin. She is taken away to be tortured. However, Lady De Winter and Captain Renfield both find themselves erotically attracted to the girl. Lord De Winter, the girl's true father, and their mysterious benefactor learns of her identity and has her set free. Kathleen escapes into the arms of local painter Brian De Quincey, but is recaptured by Captain Renfield, who has fallen head over heels in lust for her. Soon, however, both he and Kathleen are captured by Lord De Winter's men. This time, both of them are tortured. However, in the meantime, the devil has taken a shine to has taken a shine to quite virtuous Margaret. She has anal sex with him and becomes a true witch. I thought so. That's oh, funny. Damn. I, yeah. That's, that's I just funny. thought it was doggy style. Yeah. Interesting. After seducing the mother superior and driving her to suicide, she runs into the countryside and sets about avenging both her innocent sister and her mother. Margaret and De La Quincey team up and gain entrance to the castle by Sutterfuge to rescue Kathleen and bring down the curse on their enemies. Meanwhile, Lord De Winter and De Quincey are in league, planning to aid the approaching William of Orange in his challenge to the throne of Charles II. Margaret gives Lady De Winter a nasty shock during a lesbian clinch, and everything comes to a head with a sword fight and a confrontation between Kathleen and Margaret. Whew. So, Mr. Eric Whitwell, what did you think of the film? God, I love that he called it a lesbian clinch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... 
There was some clinching on yeah, there, right? Yeah, I was clinching though. I know, your fucking butt cheeks were clinching uh, on the fucking carpet there. Seriously, I think I left an impression. Impression <laughs> um, of something. Dude, that was... I'm, I'm blown away, dude. I'm, I'm still kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I'm buying this movie tonight. Like, I literally told myself I'm not going to buy any more Franco films yeah, at Eric, this moment. Eric bought, like, about 20 in, like, the last three days Yeah, or like, three days, yeah. Something like so, that. It's, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have to I have to go buy this tonight. It's That was... In, it was incredible. Like, there... Yeah. It's... Besides from what we're going to talk about later, like I, there was no weakness in it that I felt. The costumes were spot on. Well, the only weakness is the first nudity at one minute. That wasn't seconds. even that weak, though. Her breasts were nice. Well, the the witch's yeah. mother witch, yeah. I mean, well, her face wasn't great, but like... Well, yeah, no shit. But, but the, yeah. the nipples looked okay. Okay, well, that was going to happen. But go ahead, yeah. No, actually, no, there was a very big weak point, and that was the music. That's, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The music in this sucked. I'm sorry, yeah. but the music kind of almost... It didn't ruin the film for me, but if the music was like Daniel Wider, Bruno Nicolai, this would be in my top three, but with the music, it drops it down to like top ten for me. Just yeah. The music really fucking dated it. did it, not it, yeah. fit at yeah. all. Yeah. At all, man. Like, I even, like, wrote down, like, there was a, um, so when the painter, um, rescued the, the first, we rescued, uh, Catherine. Right. Catherine, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, and he was in there, it had, like, this almost, like, soft, like, 80s rock music, like, playing, like, with the piano, like, just kind of like a, and it just, it did not fit at all. Well, to me, it was, like, it dated it so much where, I mean, because the film is 1972, and, you know, it came out in 73. But the music to me was like a 60s. Yeah. Uh, There's a band called Rare Earth, and they did the song, I'm a man, yes I am. You know, and, and it has like this jam, 20-minute jam, and the bong goes on. And that's what a lot of this sound like was just like this jam band, fucking California 60s bullshit. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a covenant or of nuns, like, you know, in whatever this, whatever places, time frame. It just did not fit. And no. And just and, and and it was so like, and thing too is like um, I'm kind of tired. So I can't think of the words right now. But it's like uh, if you foreshadow something, it's like every time the music would hit, you know, there's going to be like a sex scene. Yeah. And it was so obvious. Yeah. It was just and it kind of like took away from some of the other power that it had. And exactly. And it ruined and that. That's the part that I was like, ah, oh, fuck! If they would have changed that, it would just like almost awesome. Yeah, I know. I absolutely, it took away from like the heaviness of a scene, like where. Like she's about to get basically anally raped by the devil, and it's like, you know, it's yeah. it's some music you'd have like hippies like dancing in a field to, you know, yeah, yeah, just, and it's just, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, definitely took away from the, the, yeah, the heaviness, the heaviness. Okay, so actually, before we read this, I'm gonna gonna jump to the music on here is because I'm curious now that we're talking about it. Um, it's funny that it says okay, this is by of course Murderous Passions by Stephen Thrower, Volume One. Uh, it's funny the demons is often criticized for its acronistic and psychedelic rock and jazz, as if the melodramatic string arrangements common in Hammer horror films are any more appropriate in the 1600s. Franco himself gave an interview uh, deploring the score, claiming that he was unable to attend prose productions due to other commitments, such as making five more films that year. <laughs> While it's true that he didn't have a personal hand in choosing the music, the selections were made by sound editor and future director of French erotica, Gerard Calone. Yeah, see, a poor okay, director. That's yeah. It's a shame he seems to have put on the back foot by criticism because the score is actually quite enthralling. That's funny. He likes it, Stephen Thor. Stephen Thor always has kind of an opposite view on a yeah, few things. It's a few interesting. Things. Yeah. Uh, it's a riot of, of um, flailing bongos and soprano saxophone underpinned by... Furious waka waka guitar summing a contained rhythm frenzy that resembles nothing so much as the can song Pinch from the album Ige Berenasi, recorded the same year, 72. To my ears, it's the perfect accomplishment to the film's delirious mishmash of historical drama and psychedelic sexploitation. Um, the original 72 version of the film utilizes virtually every track from Jean Michel's classic literature. Library LP Traffic Pop, they are Percussions, the pre-string torture sequence, Scenic Railway, the credits, Strange Night, Kathleen's masturbation scene, uh, Crescendo City, Mother Rosalinda writhing, Lady to Winter, and Captain Renfield's sex scene, Mother Rosalinda, seduced by Margaret, they use that song a lot, uh, Furia, 
is used for Margaret screwed by the devil. Dementia is used for Margaret's mother appearing to her from beyond the grave. Witches, the witch house. Uh, Runaway, the sword fighters rescuing Lord De Winter and De Quincey. And Traffic Light for Miss De Winter's scene with Brett Nichols. A controversial director's cut assembled in 2003 substitutes some of the original music with material derived from later Franco films such as Frau von Nagas. So... Interesting. Yeah, so we even said Franco didn't care for the music as yeah. well, and he's like, ah, so. Well, I agree with Franco. Yeah. I'm on <laughs> Franco's side in this one. And, and Stephen Thrower was a musician, and he likes music like that, so maybe that's why he's more partial to yeah. that, I would I, 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 I guess, understand. You know. The music Each in a different own. context might be great. You know, I might yeah. be like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool in a different context, you know. And maybe it, I thought it would be cool if they used it maybe in like one or two, but not every single time. Yeah. And so it's just like, uh, but uh Okay, so I'm gonna let's let's hit that list real quick. Absolutely. I'm gonna grab that. All right, so uh, not a lot's gonna be on this list this week. Okay, body of water, no. Okay, okay, okay. That one I was gonna ask you. Okay, okay maybe you saw so, something I didn't see. Okay, so the first thing you remember when he lets uh well when he lets Catherine go. It's like, you know, get out of here. Right, right. right. She runs down the stairwell. That was in they were like, Oh yeah, that's that's Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. No, there is because it's off the castle yeah, and, and there's that's a the body coast. of yeah. So like, you see the, the water coming in. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, we don't see a full body of water, but you do see the the kind of creek or whatever going or the, the ocean, like, the, yeah, yeah, the seaside just yeah. before. Yeah, you know, you're right. So yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. there is. Okay. That's what I was Good call. I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, by that, yeah, the castle steps. Yeah, uh, two sailboat. No, except in my pants. Yeah, boat. Three boats. Yeah, <laughs> palm trees. Another one in your pants. Yep. After watching Brit Nichols bent over with oh the my God, dude. That dress was lifted. so beautiful. That was such a beautiful scene. What I like too is seeing oh her goose, her goose flesh when the chick was putting her finger between oh, her legs, and you can see the, her her like because it, it's, it, it's so real. You can see it like it's just like you know, nature's. Dude, that turned me on so much. I can't even lie. Dude. Like, I mean, relax, take I'm a breath. Go, what, what do they say? I'm about to go paint the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> or like paint the inside of a Dixie cup. There, fucking John Holmes. So, uh, let's see. My socks have never been wider. <laughs> Um, okay, number five, jungle sound effects. There is quite a few sound effects. Yeah. Franco has this fondness for this flute sound that we keep catching. <laughs> and it's always when evil is there. It's almost like a bird or a crow Ooh. or something. And you hear it during the witch's house and stuff. Um, and do a side note, that old lady, Satan's favorite lover. That's like, that lady was so cool. Cool, that yeah. She's like, I'm Satan's favorite lover. That, yeah. Uh, that stuck in my head. This movie is so good. Yeah, okay, so good. Um, Number six, chained up person, many, many oh, yeah. chained up oh, women yeah. and chained up men, you know, because uh, Renfield is chained up and all that. So it's pretty funny. And it's funny, too, because I thought he was wearing dog tags, but he's wearing this like kind of a coffin or like a tombstone shaped uh, pennant with a cross on it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Number seven, dance scene on stage stripping. No, but there is stripping, <laughs> but no. More forced. Yeah, f- stripping for the uh, Grand Inquisitor and a few of that. He yeah. disrobed strip and this and that. But, but was kind of club scene music in the background while they're doing That's true. <laughs> so the, the music's more. That's true. I was dancing. That's, yeah, club scenes. Well, they're clubbing people with clubs, but yeah. no dancing. Uh, so eight, nine, jazz music. No, we know. We hear about the other music, the uh, waka waka guitars. Uh, number 10, excessive zooms. Zoom in and out, but not fast. Um, but uh, we're talking about that. I, I don't think it's excessive. It's you know standard zoom in and out. And but with this, with a lot of the nudity and the extended cut with the X-rated stuff or whatever, um, he does zoom in and out of you know breasts and vagina and all over the oh, body yeah. and, and and does a lot of the tracking. As fight too, he was just camped out in the and was it Brit Nichols or the Inquisitor lady was just like hanging out there for a while. Oh yeah. South of the border just had that camera oh, there. Awesome. Yeah. That was <laughs> awesome. And this is this is like right before he gets with Dietrich, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's like yeah, so yeah. we're not there yet. That's like quite about ten films I think or something. Okay. 13. He's getting that. Um so we got uh okay so number eleven out of focus shots. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately there's not a huge amount, but there's enough to where we were catching them quite a bit. Yeah. Twelve mirror shots. Yeah, I caught like at least two or three yes. um, that I was happy to see. Thirteen mind control theme. I'd say yes. Oh, absolutely. Under control of Satan. Under control of the priest. Under control of the church. So, yeah, all yeah. Of that stuff. Different ultra mind controls. Fourteen magic tongue scenes. <laughs> yes. 
We have the magic tongue up Brent Nichols' ass of uh, Lady to Winter. Well, Lady to Winter really like got down in this film, and she, I was, yeah, every woman just got completely naked and showed everything. I was really surprised because someone just showed I mean, all these women just were you know. Lady the yeah. Winter was. I'm I'm surprised she didn't get pink eye with how deep she was in yeah. Brit Nichols' booty. Yeah, that, I mean I was jealous. I yeah. was seriously jealous. It's like the Great Escape, you know. She oh, was gosh. right in there, man. Was, yeah, yeah, she went um, in. So yeah, magic. Okay, so yeah, her. You had uh, Anne Liebert had a little magic tongue, I think. Or was no, it? it was no. uh, Renfield. Oh yeah, yeah, Renfield with the magic tongue on her, and then. Uh, Oh, and then Brent Nichols. Oh no, Brent Nichols. Because uh, we were checking that out. Brent Nichols and the Grand Equ- and the uh, Mother Superior. She was instead of licking her breast, she was going the <laughs> <laughs> kind of blowing them dry with her lips, with her yeah. stuff, you know, and rubbing her lips against them. Brent Nichols has great lips. Also, oh my yeah. god! So anyway, uh, number fifteen, red light. Yes, yes. a few red lights. Number 16, sheepskin rug. No, there's a lot of bushes that could be sheepskin <laughs> rugs, but uh, yeah, looking at the sheepskin rug in front of me now. Yeah. But uh, masturbation with sea items, no. But there's a lot of masturbating with fingers, but no sea items. Yeah, you know? I was trying to pull out a cupped hand, but. <laughs> yeah, clawed hand, yeah. <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah, but. Okay, uh, 17, mad scientist, no. no. 18, fish tank shots, no. no. 19, talking parrot, no. 20, in credits, yes or no? Yes, yes. Uh, says Finn. Um, and 21, handwritten note, no. no. Spiral staircase, no. no. So, yeah, so that's the Franco list of 22, the deadly 22. Um, so, let's see, what am I going to say here? Um I didn't really take many notes because I was really just watching this movie and really into it. Uh, pretty much everything I talked about that I didn't like. Um, oh, one thing I was laughing too. I made a funny joke that uh, so Britt Nichols gets hit with this potion and everybody she that she's supposed to love turns into a skeleton. And I was talking about how uh, after they kiss her, they get a boner. <laughs> and that they were boning up. That was, that was my two jokes. When I was watching. They just the turned film. into like a skeleton. Yeah, it was like the same skeleton that was laying there. So, already. Yeah. Um, right, so uh, there's a lot to talk about with this film. Um, you want to talk about the actors first, or your thoughts, or thing you want to bring up? Or? Oh, I was just thinking like like the story. It just it threw you for some twists and turns. Yeah, it took a lot of different. I mean, we won't go into. Well, yeah, I, mean, I pretty much gave the synopsis, but there's things that we thought was going to go one way, and betrayals, and other twists and things. I was like, "Wow, okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't think of that." But that's what Franco does. He he does that new spins, like having the monsters fuck in the last film. Yeah, well, yeah, Frankenstein which monster. Been so, yeah, yeah, so it's like he does these little things. He'll take the story and do a couple little twists and stuff. And yeah. this is an update of his bloody judge story that he. Had more money and and stuff, and which he does a lot. He'll remake his older films and just keep remaking them and different things, you know. Yeah. But I thought like so like when I thought it was just when it first started off, I thought like okay, well they're accusing these these girls of being witches. They accuse this woman, she says whatever. Then they accuse these girls, and um, I thought it was just going to be them being basically like a woman torture film. You know what I mean? It's just going to be right. them going through all the like Portuguese nun. Right, yeah. similar to that, to where yeah, they just right, kind of—they're right. not really witches, but they kind of are in those cracks because these people are evil and they just like to torture people. Yeah. So I thought it was going to go with that route. So when all of a sudden, like, the devil comes and speaks to her and is all like, "Yeah, you know, blah blah blah," I'm like, "Whoa, no, this is oh, oh no!" When her mother speaks to her, then the devil shows up, which is also in Portuguese Nun later. So Portuguese Nun is almost like a remake of that of this. Yeah, that's true. Watching think about that was we're describing her because she has sex with the devil. Yeah, and I think he fucks up the ass as well. Yeah, and that one, you know. But go I ahead. mean, it's not shown, but it's implied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Mr. it's just, a, yeah. But I, yeah, I thought it was so that threw me for a loop right there. I'm like, oh, whoa, okay, no, they are witches. And then, yeah, it just it had so many twists and turns, and oh man, just so well done, dude. Yeah, Brit Nichols is so badass. And so many people really stepped up. Um, Anne Liebert was like the star of like the last film. I think it was like the Bird Woman, and mm-hmm. in this one, she has a lot as well, and she's. She has a portion of the film. She's not the star or she's not the main thing, but she's like, I like that her and Britt Nichols together, like a good team, like these two together can carry a film, like as the two female yeah. leads, like they're like Lena and somebody else or like yeah. Lena and uh, a Martine or something later, like the, like these two are, are carrying the film, even though there's other women as well, like Lady Winter and, and the Mother Superior, but yeah. on the other end. But yeah, so like 
Rothbat and Liebert and is great as um, Sister Kathleen. And then Britt Nichols as Sister Margaret is hands down like probably well, I mean, on the female side, well, I mean, she's way up there. I was going to say she's hands down the best in the film, but everybody's really fucking strong. Really I good. can't really put her up when I say, like, the late um, uh, Karen Fields as Lady De Winter and Doris Thomas as uh, Mother Rosalinda. Like, those four are just amazing. They're, they are all, like, leads. Like, they're all strong, like, powerhouses on their own. So you have, like, these four powerhouses oh, yeah. doing it. There's no, like, like Eric would say, no weak characters oh. or nothing, you know. Um, yeah, they're definitely not extras. They have a lot to do, a lot of heavy lifting, not physically, but just, you know, carrying the scenes and, and their performances. They all, uh, you know, the the Mother Superior and her have great sex scenes. They sh- they take off their clothes willingly and writhe around and have extended sex scenes and, and, and their acting is strong and they're just so good and, and all the way through, those four are, like, just strong. And then... For me, Luis Barbu like was like my favorite <laughs> in the film. He like stepped up like a motherfucker, especially for the last couple of films. Yeah. He's like the guy who was like the cool kind of like mute bad guy. Now he's turning into like somebody that's got power, and he's like a main bad guy in the film almost. Like with him, the last film of uh, getting whipped and getting naked with the fucking stuff and all that. And here with him being the grand inquisitor, being the torture guy, and like killing people and just. He's strong, and you believe him, and and uh, he's just a good fucking actor. He's believable in the role. He's he's always in a character. He's not looking around doing stupid shit. He's he's focused. He's he's fucking believable, and and you believe what he does. Yeah, this with this, you know. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So he's great in this, and then of course Howard Vernon has another small role. <laughs> Eric, Eric's always fascinated with how little he does in these films. You know, <laughs> it's like oh here's Howard Vernon for his three scenes, you know, yeah. or something, you know. Um, but let me see. Actually, if he was the uh, still photographer on this, I'm curious as we're talking now. That, see, that makes sense. Like for reasons him not being as active. Yeah, yeah, because he knows he's going to be around, and it's like you know sometimes. What you talk about sometimes you're the lead, sometimes you're third or fourth down the list mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, it doesn't say who the uh, still photographer on this one was. Wardrobe, music publisher. Let's go sound editor full. Yeah, it doesn't say. It's, maybe it was him. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, so then we have um, Doris Thomas, which is her second appearance. She was the uh, artist model in the last film, Erotic Rights of Frankenstein. And in this one, she's Mother Rosalinda. And uh, she starts doing quite a few films after this. She starts showing up in the Franco films. And she's really good. She's like a new presence. So I always try to keep attention of the new people that come in and try to see if they do a lot. And if they do a lot, I try to follow them. And so, so she's somebody that definitely came in, and she, she was strong as Mother Superior in this. And she's like beautiful as all hell as well and and really gives a good performance and throws herself and commits suicide on stuff of how she's taken you know and uh yeah i thought i thought i thought she's really fucking good in this movie yeah even in the sex scene like when she uh when she gets to do it's like she's uh yeah you believe that she's like i would rather do this and she yeah she's like holding back and but you can see that she's she's scared but but she's fighting it yeah so she really has that that real temptation that real struggle you know and you believe the struggle yeah um yeah and then on the flip side too um alberto de Bales, uh has been in quite a few of these he's uh, captain thomas renfield he's really good in this um and i mentioned to eric that he's like the um, um horst frank after he departed after uh like uh soho and that uh was it the um uh strangler so or the uh, deadly ventures soho and then did uh those uh, she killed Nexus C and all those in that he has that same kind of look and and uh, um, Alberto Dabale is, is is good in this and he's a he's a good uh, hero supporting actor type guy and and he, and he has a strong presence as well in this I think he's 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 as good as he has been you know in, in the past films yeah and, and Britt Nichols like I, I just yeah I know we shouldn't have short sh- shifted her too much but. But she started off as like a as the sister, like she was so like meek and like just, you know, head bowed and just so like you know just complacent, complacent. But as soon as she meets with the witch, finds out who she is, and then all of a sudden the next time scene you see her, she's standing in pants, right in front of the carriage, like yeah, stopping yeah, yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She flipped immediately. Like she was no longer weak. She was no longer submissive. She was strong. 
she was strong, but she didn't act like overly strong. Like you just felt in within her presence. You're like, okay, this this woman's going to get what she wants. Yeah, you know, and yeah, no, it's she's such a great actress. Really, just a great actress. Well, you know, I what, what I kind of like to do sometimes is I like to kind of crush people, you know, and like take away their dreams and you know their souls and make them sad and stuff. This is her last film. Are you kidding me? No, no, she doesn't show up. Oh, dude, why look at the book as you're talking. Oh gosh! Yeah, so I just you just learned that just now. She went out on a high note. Yeah, well, that's she went out like oh my gosh, and like seriously, like like a mic dropping movie. Yeah, and I'm sitting looking at all you know who's this and that next few films and stuff. And yeah, she's 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 not listed. So. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed doing that to me, Jason. Yeah, exactly. As long as you, you got talk about how, how awesome she was. And <laughs> plus, I waited you to tell me about how she changed and she's this and that. And you're oh, up. Like, oh yeah, by the way, this last film she did. <laughs> yeah, she's she's in my top three. Like she's definitely in my top three. Yeah, of, in the Franco world. Because uh, a 15 year old captain is the next film. It's like a kind of a kids film that he did. Oh God, and, uh, <laughs> William Burgers and that who I love from Portuguese Nun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got uh, Alberto Dabales is a slave trader in this. You said this is a kid's film? <laughs> yeah, Doris Thomas is uh, Clara Marlowe. Fernando Bilba plays Hercules, a shipwreck survivor. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Howard Vernon plays Harris, a botanist. For like 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Luis Barbu. Oh, okay, Fer- Fernando Bilbo and then Luis Barbu. Yeah. Yeah, Luis, uh, Luis Barbu's the dude. So he's the crew member with red hair. So the other guy... Uh, uh, Fernando Bilboa, he was the uh, Frankenstein, the Silver Frankenstein. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so okay. That's, uh, so, yeah. yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah, it's about a 15 year old captain, a kid captain. <laughs> 19th century England. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's I hope chess. this was not erotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there might be talking animals. We'll see. Yeah. If I, if we know I, there's going to be a body of water. That's yeah, for sure. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> boats. Yeah. Boat, sailboats. <laughs> I don't know about masturbation with a C item. I hope not. I and, hope not. And, and not a C is the letter C, not not S E A. How about a sea fish, <laughs> or a sea sailor, or a sea barge, or a sea wreck, or a... <laughs> make sure there's seamen masturbated by the captain. Yeah, <laughs> the Gordon's fisherman. But uh, yeah, so. You know, but yeah, so that's the end of Brit Nichols. Oh, that's, man. that's the end of that tune. That's the oh, end of gosh. That tune. Well, no, it's not because I'm going to go buy this movie tonight on yeah. Amazon and I'm going to sign up for the next day delivery. <laughs> and you're not going to see me for a week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come back so thin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's so. Uh, that's uh, so after this is when she went and married that rugby player. Or okay. Else, so yeah. So, but uh, selfish man. Yeah, it took away the beauty, and this was like right at her peak too, man. So oh. just think if she would have just kept putting another five films out or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, she's such a brilliant actress, man. Like she could have been in this movie that's coming up, you know. She could have been. She could have been the naked girl getting whipped in in the Shakers, you know. But, oh, we did see a lot of shaking of Brit though in this film. Oh, so man. the scene where she was uh, on all fours being penetrated by the devil. <laughs> yeah, Eric. Eric liked the uh, I just, the uh, natural hang of uh, nature in that oh scene. Gosh, yes. <laughs> no, my, honestly, my favorite scene though, and I, I kind of called it too. When uh, when the lady when she gets uh, what's her name at the the celebration and she gets her in the room. Oh yeah, Lady De Winter. Lady De Winter. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And she's like kind of bent over the bed a little bit, like acting like she's really oh, yeah, wasted she drug. Yeah, yeah. And she flips it. I'm like, watch, she's going to recognize that ass. Yeah. And then she flips it up and she goes, oh, I know who you are. I'm not, like, how could I forget such a moment? You know? Right. Just, well, well, plus in theory, like if you think about the timeline, that would be like about two months before oh, maybe yeah, or maybe a month during that from when they escaped and this and that. And there a couple of weeks and it's hanging out. Because uh, the sister, when she hid with the painter, she said, you've been here three weeks. Yeah. And uh, and what happened there? <laughs> oh, I wanted to say something. Uh, but yeah, so like uh, she said, you're three weeks. So that was like three weeks, and then a week escaping around the same time. So yeah, about a month. So it's like yeah, she should recognize that ass after not only seeing it a, a month before. You know, I recognize it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I recognize, sure. and that, but just the, the scene, it's like head on. Like it's just. Oh yeah. Her booty is just that's filling up the screen, and it's. I can't wait to watch it on my 55. Yeah. <laughs> 
The old 55. Old 55. But, uh, yeah, but also, too, the scene where Ann Liebern and her both are getting examined, and they pull up both the both their yeah. or I mean, uh, both their habits. Yeah, and it's just, man. God damn. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> now yeah, oh, so. man. Thank you, Uncle Jess, for making thank this you, film. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was cool. We watched the uh, little interview with Fr- Jake, Jess Franco on the, uh, actually, which gives it a plug, the uh, Redemption Blu-ray. Yeah, this is really good. There, there's the German one that came out. I was telling Eric about um, the name of the company escapes me right now. But there's like that uh, has like five disc set of that one with uh, the different cuts. But this one is the longest cut, and this was actually put out after the Stephen Thor book because they talk about not having this cut, and also the uh, Frankenstein one too. This is uh, 118 minutes, which is great. It's like the long, and you could tell there's uh, like the scene when. Um, uh, Brent Nichols is with uh, the Mother Superior or no also no I'm sorry the Mother Superior masturbates like that scene you could tell there's cuts where there's a lot of times in that scene yeah. where, where you could tell where it was cut for R rated or whatever and there's there's visible splices in that and stuff so yeah this is a good version and right now it's only like about uh, 17 bucks on Amazon so it's a hell of a deal for the Blu-ray uh, it's got uh, French and German with English subtitles, 15-minute interview with Franco by David Gregory, six minutes of lead footage, two trailers, and trailers of other Franco films. Um, our mission statement is praise and memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. Uh, please download the episode. It increases the numbers, the audience. Please rate and share on your favorite listening platform. Uh, tell all your friends, tell all your enemies, tell your lovers, tell your bakers, tell your priests, tell your... And your whoever. mamas, too. Yeah. <laughs> tell your greasy-ass mommy, too, uh, that the boogeyman's coming for you. Um, and also, if you want to find the boogeyman, you can find him at francoobserver at yahoo.com. Hey, now. And I'll be taking your emails and uh, boogieing along with Brit. Goddamn Brit Nichols. Yeah, you, you are the Brit Nichols guy, but, man, I don't know. She's 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 no, she's just, strong. We can share. Yeah, yeah, we can share. Yeah, yeah. We can share. We can share. Say, I think I have a fondness for Miss Miss Nichols. Oh yeah, no, it's, I understand. I think I'll drop a dime on Miss Nichols. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so uh, and also, if you want to see some Brit Nichols, you can find her at the Frank Oves of her podcast pages. <laughs> at uh, I'm sure we put up some pictures of her soon on uh, f- on Facebook and on Instagram. Both of those, just uh, look up Frank Oves of her podcast, and you'll find us. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably going to be wrapping up. Yeah. I'm sure after this, Eric's going to drive about uh, 55 miles an hour home <laughs> to his 55-inch TV and quickly order Demons by Jess Franco. Yeah, Blu-ray. that's what's happening. Yeah. So, you guys, if you if you really want to get it, you might want to get on Amazon before I get home. Yeah, there's like uh, five left in stock. There's five left in stock, and I'm, I might be buying all five. But by the time this episode's <laughs> drop, you'll, <laughs> you'll already be good, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think I'm pretty much uh, talked out on this one. You know, yeah. what about you? you oh, good? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good, good. So I think, uh, yeah, that looks good. So, all righty. Well, uh, with that, I think uh, Eric's gonna be go- going home and count some nickels. Oh, beautiful nights. <laughs>